0: Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, and this is Episode 28 of Passionate Pioneers. During this episode, I had the opportunity to spend time with a seasoned digital health executive, a self-described behavioral nerd, and a national leader I deeply admire. Dr. Ed Buckley is the CEO of PureFit, a company and platform that connects employers, brokers, and insurance carriers to local fitness experiences. While spending time together, Dr. Buckley and I discussed PureFit's 10-year journey and the opportunities he and his team have discovered, which is fueling explosive national growth for the company. But most importantly, our conversation quickly turned very authentic and emotionally raw as we discussed how difficult it is to build a company from scratch and the ups and downs in entrepreneur experiences, both personally and professionally. Dr. Buckley then offered inspiring advice for taking care of oneself during the journey. I'm excited for you to experience Dr. Buckley's immense passion for his mission in life, where him and his team at PureFit are heading, and the advice he seeks from all of us toward the end of the podcast. Because of committed leaders like Dr. Buckley, and community members like you supporting him, we will continue to move the health of our country forward by doing it together. Dr. Buckley, welcome to our podcast, being recorded at Halo Creative Labs, located inside of AngelMD's headquarters here at Catalyst, our healthcare innovation campus in
1: downtown Denver. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I know today's conversation
0: is going to be very high energy. I've been following your journey at PureFit for quite some time, and I can't wait for our community to hear your story. More specifically, I'm energized to talk all things wellness, not reactionary healthcare, but wellness. I'm looking forward to learning more about your almost 10-year journey as chairman, founder, and CEO of PureFit, and where you're taking the movement you've created with the organization to better the health of our nation. But before we dive into all things wellness, a bit of housekeeping. For our audience, while listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to visit the episode notes to share feedback and ideas with our guests via our guest feedback form link, and to nominate other passionate pioneers for a future episode via our guest nomination form link. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on iTunes or Spotify, or click the link at the bottom of the episode notes. All right, Dr. Buckley, before we learn from you and all the wonderful work happening at PureFit, let's take a moment to break the ice a bit so our community can get to know you. I'm going to randomly select one of three questions. Let's see what comes up here. Ooh, we're talking food. Favorite meal and
1: why? Oh, that's a great question because what's your favorite? Isn't the one you should be eating, especially as we're talking about wellness. (laughs) I think anyone who knows me knows that my guilt food, which is terrible because I eat it so often. It isn't a guilt food like once a month. I love truffle french fries. Heck, I love all french fries, but truffle parm french fries, I could literally eat every day.
0: What is it about
1: truffle? I'm I'm the same way, Ed, I'm telling you. I don't know. And you know, it's funny because it's like a delicate balance of so much of it. That's all you can taste, you know, when you do them on fries. So it's just an interesting balance. That's really how I travel all the time. That's kind of how I taste the city is I, I eat truffle fries in every city. And I'm like, ah, that city, that restaurant, that's, that's the one I like. So I don't know what it is, but it's addictive. Maybe it's crack they sprinkle on
0: it. So you're a truffle connoisseur. Is there a bad truffle?
1: Uh, I think the only bad one is when there's just too much of it, right? And it just tastes like oh, your face is so oily and greasy because that, that's all you can taste. But, you know, it's, I think all of them are fantastic.
0: Truffle, French fries. Did I hear Parmesan on there?
1: Oh, it's a must. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't put them on there. I see that at restaurants sometimes. I'm like, why did you serve truffle fries without parm?
0: good to know. They are good. They are definitely something that I love to eat as well. So truffle French fries with Parmesan. It is. Well, Ed, Man, do we have a lot to talk about today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy over there at PureFit and and changing the health of so many around the country. I can't wait for our community to hear your story. I know you're so passionate about designing new ways to drive engagement and help deliver flexibility and personalization to the health and wellness marketplace. And you guys at PureFit have been doing it for, like I said, almost 10 years. But let's go back a bit. Where was the aha moment? you know, 10 years in, something must have happened years ago to give you this idea. And of course, we're going to talk about that 10-year journey of itself. But let's go back a bit to that young Ed. And where was that aha moment for what you're working on today?
1: Well, that young Ed had much longer hair, I can assure you. I was in college at the time. I was at the University of Florida working multiple jobs. Go Gators. And I, Yeah, go Gators three times over. Love it. And I just remember being obsessed with this idea. I was a fitness instructor. My grad studies were on public health policy while, you know, the ACA was getting passed. My PhD ultimately was on, you know, digital health behavior. But between what I was studying academically and what I was seeing teaching classes and instructing people, you saw this. People loved group fitness. I mean, they loved it. It's the number one reason why someone joins a gym or why they leave a gym was their group fitness. But then when you talk to people, they said, well, once I got into one class, I'm scared to try something new. Or if this instructor goes somewhere, I'll only follow this instructor. Or what we found out as we were kind of getting started was I want to try new places but I've got funds from my employer and I can only go to one place. I can't hop around. And it became a hobby borderline obsession. I remember the summer and I had one of my undergrad best friends moving back to go to grad school. He was going to be doing his MBA. And I just told him, I said, look, I'm obsessed. I'm working on something he moved back to school. I said, if you're going to come back to school, you're going to have to work on this, you know, with me. And that kind of started quite a few people that we were able to bring in from what was seemingly a hobby, like I said, borderline obsession. And then it it just manifested into a company. And while people always ask me today, is what you're doing today, what you thought you'd be doing, or is it completely different? Because that's what you always hear, right? It's either what you do. I say it's in between. We always knew early on That what we're doing today, working with health plans and employers to get people into, you know, multiple fitness experiences, that that would be a big component. But we thought we would have to master the consumer side first and then bring it to the health plan side. But what we figured out was really while the health plan side has this long tail cell, once you get in there, it's a highly defensible position. It's not a fun position in the sense that you're working with regulated entities. You become a downstream regulated entity, but man, you can affect so much change just because these health plans have such a massive platform and touch so many lives. So, you know, what started out as a, a grad school idea with a bunch of very stereotypical, you know, grad students working from Starbucks, working from Mo's and, and, you know, working from our college apartment to today, 150 employees, 16,000 employer clients, uh, working in Medicare, working in under 65. I mean, it's kind of a dream come true just to be where we're at, knowing that we've only scratched the surface of the difference we're making in people's lives. Wow.
0: And what I always love to learn from is the messiness in the middle, right? Of course, here you are, a national brand doing phenomenal work. But that 10-year journey, I guarantee there was some messiness in that middle.
1: Yeah. And, you know, people try to avoid that or rewrite history like it didn't happen. I try to be a very transparent and candid person because I think those are the best learning lessons for us, for our staff to know how we got here. I mean, the people that show up today at PureFit didn't go through that. They didn't know the hard lessons. And I think it's important to some extent for them to know it. We're just other people trying to make a difference out there, regardless of the industry, is that everyone has hard times. And so before I mention a couple of our key learning moments, I mean, what I always turn to do is I love reading books about successful people. And we only know of them after they become successful, right? but as you read these books, you're like, "Oh, this highly successful individual went through the same things that i'm going through, even if they were successful in the beginning and were you know trying to do more. you know everything that you try to do when it's disrupting and making change is hard work it doesn't matter what industry it doesn't matter what scale, and so if you're going to have to put in really hard work, you might as well be doing something that makes a difference. And that's something that I've come to really appreciate is it doesn't matter the scale, it's always hard. So when we were a 10-person company or a 50-person company or a 100-person company, those lessons were always hard. It just magnifies how many people you affect while you do it. So look, in the early days... You know, here we are a Florida company which is not known for fundraising or having easy venture groups to work with at the time. You know, they said, Hey, we want to support early companies, but you have to have 10 million in revenue. Well, you're not really an early stage company, right? they're not funding early stage companies if you've already gotten to 10 million in revenue. And that's really how Florida worked. We would have people just commit to funding us and pull the rug out from underneath of us. There was multiple times where we were down to single-digit days left with money in the bank. There were times that we had to step up and fund it ourselves because we didn't have you know, money. And those are stressful times. And anyone who's ever had financial stress knows how crippling it can be. Now magnify that times the fact that everyone's depending on you. And then you have to keep a smiling face and do your job and be out selling clients while you know in the back of your mind, got a countdown clock. Oh, I've got a countdown clock. That's just something I think a lot of people take for granted that It's a natural point of building a startup that there are going to be days that you've got almost no money left or you're out of your resources or one client can pull a deal and you're dead or you appear to be dead. So that was, you know, we went through our fair share of that. And once again, that that happened all the way up the the, the ladder. It, It doesn't go away all of a sudden the first time you get venture money, it continues all the way through. And then there's the part of the personal dynamics, the company and the people you have to be when you've got 20 people. You can all be friends. Everybody's a jack of all trade. Then all of a sudden, when you're at 50 and you're layering in hierarchy, it's just different. You know, people that could go out for beers with you on a Friday night now need to go to their direct report, you know, direct manager instead of coming straight to you. And you have to facilitate that hierarchy if you're going to empower the new subject matter experts and managers that you're bringing in. So that was a tough lesson for me, for sure. I was not one that was natural because I like to get in, you know, roll up my sleeves and be around everyone. But I was almost too available to learn what it meant to be a good CEO meant to do less, kind of like in forgetting Sarah Marshall, do less, do less. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I had to learn was to do less and to really not just delegate down, but to delegate authority and lift people up and make sure that other people were following the processes and obviously always being available, but being the right amount of available. And so, like I said, that definitely caused a lot of consternation as we went through that, you know, maturity as a company, but here we are now. And like I said, now we're past that, right? We're past our our teams are awkward teams kind of that you go through as a company and whether it's the personal stress that you try to, you know, make sure you shield people from so they can focus or just your own learnings as you know, in my case, a very young CEO, you know, that you just have to do it in a graceful manner and be authentic and let people know what you're working on and that you're still there to support them, even that you are a person who has to develop it as well.
0: You know what, Ed, let's stay on this for a moment. I don't get very many opportunities to be able to ask the question I'm about to because I know how authentic you are. This is why I admire you so much. And I'm going to ask the question in just a moment. Let me tee it up. I know everything you're saying. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I know exactly what that experience is like personally because I've done it several times over as well. Man, is it hard. But not only is it just hard professionally, what it does to you personally and if you don't manage it correctly, you know, in regards to your own mental wellness and well-being and your home life, it can literally consume you. And I can tell you some of the best things that I ever did for myself and my family was to go seek counseling, go and seek somebody to talk through these very difficult you know, endeavors of building businesses from literally thin air. We have so many innovators and entrepreneurs that are in our boat and listening to this what would you share with them in regards to how you handled it? How did you handle the the personal stress of building this company to what it is today? What were some of the things, because you have to practice what you preach, right? Here you are, national leader, talking about wellness. How did you practice what you're preaching?
1: Great question. So a couple things to unpack there is like, how do you take care of yourself as a person? No matter what role you have in life, no matter whether you're the founder and you stay CEO or you, know, you, you have a different role along the way. You've got to take care of yourself. And these journeys are high pressure. As I mentioned, it's hard work. It doesn't matter the scale that you're at, whether you have five people, 50 or 500. It's hard work to lead other people. It is hard work to lead a movement or a disruptive campaign because most often you are causing other people to not be comfortable in the sense of I'm going to force big entities to do something new. They would rather spend twice the time, energy and effort fighting me than half the amount of energy to go along with me. That's just the nature of it. And so you have to be completely confident in who you are. And the days that you're not, oh, man, those are tough days. Those are really tough days. And there are definitely more hard days than there are fun, raw, raw days. So you have to balance. I don't mean work-life balance because, heck, we work 80 hours a week. But you've got to find balance of how to be able to recharge yourself, how to get away from it, how to have time to think. That's something I've really invested in is having alone time to just think. It's become so useful for me. And I always make the analogy, look, I've got a cell phone here in my hand. It takes about eight hours to drain and only about an hour to recharge. That's more of how I view work-life balance is that, you know, they're not even amounts of time, but they need to fill the same capacity. So I love being active. Everyone hopefully knows that about me. I love group fitness classes, not just because of the physical fitness part of it, but the social dynamic, the emotional, the competitive side that you get out of going to classes. I mean, to me, there's nothing better than that. And if you can connect with your friends, family, or coworkers doing it, hey, kudos, it's great. But just getting out and doing walks, what I do on my walks is I just pop in my AirPods and listen to books on Audible. So I'm both getting to kind of think and consume intellectual nourishment while my body is outside, I'm getting sunlight, I'm physically moving. And you know that's, that's really important, but also to find people you trust that you can call in a non-judgmental way, think through things, experience people, people that aren't necessarily in your business. And I think that's one thing that I was very fortunate somehow I did early on was always found mentors and went to them, didn't wait for them to come to me. I always went to them to say, Here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm thinking through. What am I missing? And I love critical feedback. And so that's, once again, I think the success we've had at PeerFit is always around feedback, whether it's we do a sales pitch and immediately get on the phone and debrief, or we just have a big problem and we need to think through it with some outside you know, mentors, board members, advisors. We are not shy about getting feedback. And I think too often when people get crippled during this process, and I've seen it happen, right? People who just haven't made it through the journey, they avoid feedback. They get defensive. They try to hide the facts because somehow they think it's about them or their failures. It doesn't matter, right? Like we all fail. And if everyone could do the task all on their own, then it's probably not difficult enough. So you just have to let go and free yourself from the shackles of being defensive and know that, you need to be seeking coaching out, seeking criticism out, and frankly, you can actually control it better if that if it's that direction rather than it, it coming to you.
0: So well said. Thank you for that. I knew I could count on you on this podcast to bring the authenticity, and yet again, you delivered. So thank you for that, and I know so many people listening in will find that of, of very high value. So let's let's pivot a bit now. Right, we talk about the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride of building a startup. Let's now start diving into kind of current state. Here we are, PeerFit. You guys are everywhere. I mean, the name everywhere I turn in the industry, there, there you are, there the company is. Let's talk about what's happening right now. Where are you guys at? How are you finding those successes? Where are you really seeing that scale? How is it impacting the industry? Give us a current status update of, of PeerFit and where things are in the marketplace.
1: Absolutely, someone used a fantastic analogy earlier to me describing our business, and so we've been on calls right now we're we're starting a capital raise for this next year kind of to take us to this next stage that we want to go to. and someone said, "Look, what I love about your business and the traction you've had is you've invested all of this money to build the platform, build the rocket, and now all you do is you're buying the gas for it." right so we spent all of this time getting into our health plan partners figuring out exactly how to deliver what they're looking for which is they've got members and they need to go to fitness experiences okay so that is both a financial transaction there's the logistics of handling reservations and and getting them in the door but then there's the peer social motivational element which is how do i lower barriers of fear How do I find the perfect spot for them and how do I pair them up with other people? And so that at its crux is what we've always done, but we did it in one segment, which was the under 65 employer space. Then we've become such good partners. We basically got begged to come into the over 65 space. And so 2020 was the official launch of PeerFit Move where we're helping senior citizens do that same thing, right? The over 65 population of we've got these members that are on Medicare Advantage we are funding the transaction to get them into fitness, but most importantly, especially with seniors who deal with loneliness and social isolation, how do we pair them up with some peers? And because that's gone so well, now the health planes have come back, and this has really not been public yet, but now, uh, launching later this year, we're going to be in student health. So think when you went to college, like I did at University of Florida, um, we're now going to be in select student health plans where you're going to be able to get fear fit. So if you love the campus gym, great. You need to get away and go to one of the off-campus uh, you know, fitness facilities or when you go home for the holidays or travel for the summer you can have peer fit wherever you go. And so for us, if we can touch you at 18 and 80 and everywhere in between, it's the same mission. It's the same crux of what we're trying to do. But we truly are trying to touch as many lives, not just for each individual, but think every person that does it, that's another peer we could connect you with so that you always have new people to try fitness experiences with. So we're incredibly happy. You know, In 18 months or so, we've gone from 50,000 lives to 500,000 lives. Wow. We're on our our way uh, by January of next year. We should be at about 2 million lives. So we're just excited for the journey, right? We're excited for the investment that it took all of the energy to get here. Now we're kind of reaping the rewards of all of those years of hard work.
0: What are the one to three top kind of comments you get from the end user? What are you hearing thematically over and over again as to why this is kind of scaling? What are they raving about? Well, you're super fans. What are they raving about?
1: So I'm going to start with one that you might not think about. I would say one of the number one things we get our raving fans is our client services, our customer service. Because... No matter what platform you use, right you have questions or you have a problem or you have suggestions, and our team is just out of you know out of this world i can 't speak highly enough about our client happiness team our client services team, both on under sixty five and over sixty five which have to be treated very differently right when you 're dealing with a medicare population you 've got far more regulations and how you service them versus under sixty five but for as long as i can remember this is an area that we have just done so well on and when you think about your expectations of wellness healthcare you have low expectations for customer service and so that's what i would say one of our calling cards has been has been satisfying people when they have questions thoughts comments you know problems suggestions the the second thing is how easy it is i think Look, I'll speak only for myself, okay? I am an employee at a company and we have our health plan through our company. I've basically never logged into that health plan app except for when I needed it because I was trying to figure out what doctor I was going to go to. And it was complicated. It was complex. And you know, to some extent, they have to do it that way because they're risk averse and regulated. So I think they thought PeerFit was going to be complex and it's so easy. It's basically a consumer grade experience that just got paid for and handed to you. Your employer, your health plan, which most people aren't used to, just the ease. Um, And you know, lastly, what I would say is the the breadth of experiences you can have: gyms, studios, drop-ins, full unlimited memberships, two streaming options now with Forte and Burn Along. I mean, there's just so many things, and you're just not used to being delighted by a wellness employer or health plan, you know, program. So we're happy to do it.
0: And how about those employers or health plans? How are they seeing this? Has it been a journey for them to, I mean, obviously you saw a future state of what this could be for the marketplace. How is it bringing them along, right? Status quo, as we talk about, right? That's sometimes the easy, you already mentioned it earlier. Sometimes that's the easy thing to go back on, but how have those plans been working with? Are you seeing the kind of change in mindset in the marketplace? How is it on that end?
1: You know, Pat Garrity, he's the CEO of Florida Blue down here. And when we came down to Tampa, they invested in us. And I remember at the time he was talking about the healthcare landscape changing. And he said, look, I viewed innovation as I can either run forward and plant the flag of where we're going to be, or I can get dragged to where someone else puts the flag. But one way or another, we're going to end up there. Let him know he needs to be on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll introduce you guys. That'll be great. And so I've always thought about that when we're dealing with people who want status quo is We need to find the flag for them and and just pull them along, give them everything that forces them to move forward, that they have no option to run backwards. And so the employers, you just got to make it easy. That was always our biggest concern was that we knew the end users would love it. And if we get someone to pay for it, that's great. But the people who have to execute it, the HR staff, the benefit managers, wellness managers... They're so overwhelmed. We don't need to give them something else to do. We don't need to give them more work to do. We need to find a way to make their job easier and make them look like rock stars at their job. How do we help them demonstrate their value to their bosses by executing peer fit? That was one of our earliest concerns to solve.
0: Brilliant. Well said. And to all, all the innovators and startups and entrepreneurs out there, hit the rewind button and listen to that again. Ed nailed it. That's exactly what we should be doing in the marketplace and, and helping the industry move forward. So, Ed, thank you for that sage advice and really appreciate it. I know we're going to get a lot of feedback on that as well. Well, Ed, let's start looking towards the future. Obviously, you aren't going anywhere anytime soon. I know your heels are dug in and you're very dedicated to continue to move the health of our nation forward. What does the future look like for PureFit for Ed, the movement you've created? Give us the next one to three, three to five years. What's that look
1: like? Yeah, I think there's going to be massive consolidation in our our space. I think there's been a lot of Uh, expanding horizontally and there's just a lot of models that you know they're testing niche ideas or they're learning you know incremental value but they on their own can't survive and so what i think you're going to start to see is this massive consolidation of cool value props and you're even going to see massive consolidation of health plans that's something we're we're hearing behind the scenes is is health plans are starting to consolidate i mean heck at Ethnic CVS. that's a great example, right, of, of consolidation. And so that's what we see. And so once again, we're looking at the flag of where it's going to get planted. Where's our role in moving people there? And where's our role of kind of running and trying to catch up before something you know happens? How do we deliver value not in the world today but in the, the world of the future? So we like our health plan partners. We think that is a great distribution channel. I think the fitness side is an interesting one, right? Our supply side, our gym, studios, streaming. How is streaming going to disrupt the availability of supply content? You know, what I think personally is that streaming will be there in addition to the physical supply. It's not going to force physical supply out. It's kind of like, you know, having Netflix. Well, not everyone just has one streaming service. They might have Netflix And Hulu or Disney Plus, because hey, who loves you know the Mandalorian's awesome, Baby Yoda. But you know that's what I see on the supply side. People have several brands and vendors that they like to have, and so we try to be agnostic of that and just really make the transaction as frictionless as possible from the payer to the experiences. So we need to build out the experiences more streaming. Um, you know, whatever that looks like into the future of some VR, we see a lot of VR coming into the fitness space. And then, you know, making sure we're working with partners on the on the demand side, in spite or despite the consolidation that is undoubtedly coming. So
0: Excellent. Thank you for that future-facing perspective. Uh, if anybody knows what's coming down the, the pike, it's definitely you, given all that experience. So, thank you for sharing that, Ed. Let's let's turn it on its head a little bit. Let's get the community involved. I mean, obviously, you, you definitely are an industry expert, but you know as well as I do, we do not know everything, even though we're working hard to be a, of that kind of expert mindset. So, what is one problem, need, or question that you have that our community can think through or, or contemplate for you and give some feedback on? What, what problem, need, or question might you or PureFit have at this time?
1: i love to have this platform. Thank you for setting that up. I think a big thing that we'd love to hear from is we've just entered the senior market. How do we drive compelling engagement with seniors knowing that the usage of technology and fitness is slightly different. It actually resembles a lot more, you know, the 65 market for the first time. But how do we blend online and offline experiences together in a meaningful way that is both a trusted way, but still expanding people's social connections uh, for this population at scale? That's what we're really trying to figure out. And we'd love thoughts, uh, studies you've seen work, other platforms that you've seen do it, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll be frank. You know, you've interviewed Andrew from Papa. That's a great partner. You know, we've been talking to them about how do we work together to help that population in a meaningful way. And so... We're we're all ears when it comes to the future of innovating that market.
0: Well, to the ears that just heard that from Ed, there is a uh, guest feedback form link in the episode notes. Click on through, give them some feedback. We'll ensure the team delivers that uh, information to Ed and his team. Again, in the the episode notes, you can find that uh, guest feedback form link. So Ed, thank you for letting us uh, think through that and contemplate it. And of course, our team over here will certainly get that information back over to you and yours. So thank you again. Now let's talk about where we can find you online, social media, contact points, websites, or otherwise. Where can we find you online?
1: Well, you can always find PeerFit at peerfit.com on all of our social media handles. It's just at PeerFit. As for myself, you know, Instagram, EJ Gator, I, 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 because I'm the third, Edward third, And uh, yeah, generally just, you know, find PeerFit, just at PeerFit, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere.
0: Excellent. We'll, of course, leave all of those in the episode notes as well. We'll also, Ed, if you're cool with it, we'll leave your LinkedIn profile in the episode notes. How's that?
1: Perfect. I'm very active on LinkedIn, so please uh, hit me up.
0: Excellent. Great. All right. We're going to start closing this out. This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast, Ed, and I know you're going to bring us home in big ways. I have a fill in the blank.
1: I'm a passionate pioneer because? I am a passionate pioneer because I am relentlessly obsessed with making sure that we redefine wellness. And that is for all populations, all segments, and just finding a way to make you know physical activity, something fun and easy for everyone involved.
0: Ed, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You have an entire team over here in Denver, Colorado, a mile high rooting you on over there in Florida. Keep us posted on the journey. We know you're gonna continue to move the health of our country forward. Thank you for all that you do, Ed, and you bring your authentic self to it every day. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli.